Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And uh, like I said, some days it's easier in the transition from one show to another than other days. But um, we, we, we will get it through. One or, again, this is day five, our final day out of here in Le Triumph uh, for the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open. And I got to tell you, the weather doesn't look as pretty. Yesterday, the skies were blue. Right now, they are several different shades of gray at the same time. Um, it's a little more on the – it's not really cold, but it, it looks windier. Uh, than it did yesterday, so I don't know how that's going to affect the scores. I know this. Um, when I went into a 6 o'clock presser last night, there were three co-leaders uh, at 6 under. Uline, Tootin, and Hubbard. I can already tell you it's windier because the papers are flying all over the place in here. But uh, that did not happen one time yesterday. But... Um, and right now, let me see if I can count that high. Uh, there are now six guys as I begin this morning's show in a in a tie for the lead currently uh, at the Louisiana Open. And um, the truth of the matter is we're still not finished the first round because – the first round, because of the fog delay yesterday, did not conclude. So they're still finishing up the first round right now. Uh, they got to be pretty close to finish, but it's not yet finished. Uh, and the only the main reason why I say that is, I'm, as I'm looking at the top of the leaderboard here, Augusto Nunez, who Raymond played Wednesday in the uh, Pro-Am with, is, is on 18 right now. And he and he's minus six for the tournament uh, so far. Uh, so he and if he bogey if he birdies eighteen, he will become the leader. By the way, after the first hole, the second round has begun for some golfers. Um, just not for the ones that have you know have not finished yet. Uh, ben Taylor from LSU is has already begun the second round. And he uh, birdied the first hole on one. And he is now involved in that six-way tie uh, for the lead right now. Uh, Again, very early because some people have begun the second round, but some are still finishing up the first round. So, anyway, we'll keep you up to date here and there. some of the guys we've you know already got a chance to we got a chance to interview Uline yesterday, Tootin and Hubbard. Um Hubbard, big Bronco fan I learned and you know chatted with him a few minutes cuz told him my wife family were Bronco fans and he's all fired up and meanwhile Saints fans are waiting to see still what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. I just 
Oh man, you know, I was hoping that yes, by yet. I mean, I was hope we were hoping to find out yesterday, and then we didn't. And so, hoping to find out today. And if you believe the rumors, that's not even going to happen, because the you know one of the reports is that he's going to you know think about it all weekend long before giving his 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 decision, making his decision now. I've heard the theory, and I, there seems to be some merit, that the longer it takes, the worse it is for the Saints, and that means he's going to the Falcons. The thought process is, on paper, from a pure football standpoint, it's a slam dunk over Saints over Falcons. I'm not saying that's a fact. I'm saying that's the opinion, the, the, the line of thinking there. Um, and so if you're going to do it from a pure football standpoint, you would choose the Saints, and you'd have done that already. That's that that line of thinking. Now, the other thing from a football standpoint, understand that right now the the Falcons are a little bit of a pickle salary cap wise because they have Matt Ryan. Next year, the thought process is they're going to have upwards of a hundred million dollars to spend on, on on people that they will go. They will be you know have as much money to spend, if not more money, not this year, next year, and again. Like I tried to to uh, the point one of the points I tried to make earlier this week with the Deshaun Watts, you don't acquire, you don't give up all these picks and theoretically a couple starters for Deshaun Watson because you're worried about the 2022 season. That's part of it, but it's not even the biggest part of it. You're doing this is a long term decision. You're trying to get a franchise quarterback. A number one overall talent quarterback for the future. Understand how difficult. If you don't, from a pure football standpoint, if you don't get why the Saints are doing what they're doing, um, remember, I remind us all the time, the Saints have not drafted a quarterback in the first or second round since 1971, since I was five years old. And actually, at the time, I was only four years old. But, um, so, unless you decide you're going to be terrible and go 2-14 and 14 or now 2-15 and 15 one year, which I hope never happens, you, you're never going to, it's very difficult to acquire one of these elite quarterbacks. Well, here's a rare opportunity to to not have to stink, to not have to draft one, two, or three in the draft and still acquire a young quarterback who's, like, good enough to be number one in the draft. I mean, his talent level would easily be the number one pick in this draft and would have easily been the number one pick in the last draft. I mean... The only time he wouldn't have been the number one pick in the draft was maybe the year luck came out, maybe. I'm talking about knowing what you know now. Now, obviously, he wasn't the number one pick the year he came out because people had this question about him and this question about him. I'm talking about what you know now, which is way more, obviously, it, he was misanalyzed. No question he was misanalyzed. and. He's, he's, I don't know where you rank him. Rankings are silly. I've always thought we're silly anyway. I, you know, who who's number one? Who knows? 
I mean, again, I, I've all Patrick Mahomes is a great talent, but if he played for the Chicago Bears, most of you would not think he was a great talent. I'm just I'm just telling you. It just he's Patrick Mahomes is is you know, he's he's no question how good he is, but or how good he's been. But again, very few guys have had he, he he's in a good sit. The only thing I'll give Patrick Mahomes is he hasn't always played with a really good defense. Uh, Tom Brady's never played with a bad defense ever in his whole career. He's been on a pleasure cruise his whole career. You know, Mahomes, though, has had great offensive coaching. Um, you know, Hall of Fame offensive coaching, Hall of Fame uh, tight end, Hall of – well, I don't know about Hall of Fame, but one of the fastest guys any of us have ever seen. It's been pretty easy for him, pretty easy. Uh, and so – who knows who's, where he's ranked, and I don't even care where he's ranked. I know this. He's an elite NFL quarterback. And if elite, you know, whether it means 5, 6, 7, 10, whatever, whatever elite means to you, Deshaun Watson is that. So that's why we're going through all of this, because this is a very rare opportunity. You could pl- go an entire decade of NFL football and never have this opportunity. And again, unless you are, um, unless you go like two and fifteen one year or two and fourteen before we did the seventeen game stuff, I don't want to ever have to do that. I hope the Saints never draft in the top five ever again. That's not my. That's not in my plan. So here's a chance to to win, have winning seasons, be a contender, and still acquire a number one overall talent quarterback. Speaking of number one overall talent quarterbacks can you imagine can you imagine doing what it takes which means being awful to get the number one overall pick and using that pick for baker mayfield can you imagine how stupid that is just try to wrap your mind around how absolutely stupid you have to be to go through all the pain and agony that it takes to be the number one overall pick, which normally is you go like one and you get like, you win like one or two games all season. Usually the guy team picking number one's either won one game or two games. Can you, to go through all of that agony, and for and for for the Cleveland in the case of the Cleveland Browns, they didn't just do that one year; they did that year after year after year. To be so stupid that you did all of, went through all that agony, you got the number one pick, and you drafted Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, this little short cocky guy, this little bitty short cocky guy. Who came from a 42-40 offense, college football team? Like, what are you doing? Unbelievable to me. Unbelievable to me. Even more unbelievable is all the grief I took on social media when I had the nerve to say that Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield wasn't even a first-round talent, much less a number one overall talent. And he's not a first-round talent. He never was. Boy, you got it's unbelievable how stupid you have to be to pick Baker Mayfield number one. Baker Mayfield. 
and I don't know what they're going to do now. Like James yesterday was saying when we were on the air that he's going to still be their quarterback, but 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 he's not. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to reconcile. We'll see. You know, money's talks. I get that. Man, Steve Smith hated Steve Smith as a player. Hated him. I mean, he would. He, the Saints would play great defense, and they would throw it up, and Steve Smith would jump up and catch the ball. I mean, that guy hated that guy. But he's kind of funny at times as an announcer because he's so honest. And he said yesterday, he goes, look, I wore my emotions on my sleeve too, but at least I led the league in something. All Baker Mayfield leads the league in and is in crying. Baker Mayfield. What a clown show. And, again, it's not really his fault because it was the Cleveland Browns that were so stupid as to pick this little guy as their number one overall pick. The number one overall pick, Baker Mayfield. It, it It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, again, we want to thank Tibbs Trailers, Rope Soap and Dope, the Cigar Merchant, Golf Connection USA, and uh, we will keep you up to date on the leaderboard again. To my knowledge, um, the first round still has not totally been completed yet. Uh, by the way, Nunez parred the 18th hole, so he is still – oh, no. Ben, he is now tied for second because Ben Taylor has birdied the second hold, hole. So he is now um, in sole possession of first place. Again, it's very early. He's played two holes of round two. But uh, the current leader is now to, up to seven under for the tournament, and, and, and that is Taylor. And we'll see how we'll keep you up to date on that. Got lots else to talk about, obviously. For now, we will take our first time out of the show. Come back with more from the Louisiana, from Le Triumph for the Louisiana, Chittimacha, Louisiana Open on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one oh. Four One Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Major League Baseball is back, and it's time for a tradition like none other. Old school baseball guys arguing with the analytical crowd on why RBI should still be relevant. Show us that million dollar arm, because I gotta. Oh, I got a good idea about that five cent head of yours. No, but seriously, what the heck is war? Yeah. Who comes up with this stuff? You're killing me, Smalls. Now, back to more baseball talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Again, we are um, definitely a little bit windier today, having troubles keeping all the papers down. And uh, as we do day five 
of our show out here at La Triumph for the Chittimacha Louisiana Open. Uh, we will be talking Cajun baseball, not in this segment, but the next segment, talking to our good friend Craig Melanson. Uh, lots to be excited about or encouraged about with Cajun baseball. They started hitting the ball last weekend against Houston. They continued it Wednesday night in Lake Charles and a 10-8 to win over McNeese. And now they're going to Troy. Now, I got to tell you, Troy's pretty good, and we're going to talk about that with, um, with Craig in the next segment. So um, we'll get to Cajun baseball. Um, you know, NCAA tournament is going on. I, um, one of the four teams that I did, you know, I kind of, I didn't really do a bracket, but I said, these are the four teams that I kind of think are going to make the final four and, and national champion. So at least I have that, but no, I, I did not fill out a bracket all the way through. I, the only thing that I get, one of the things that seemed to me is that the Midwest is the easiest region. I stopped believing in Kansas quite a while ago. And again, it's kind of a put your hand on the stove and get burned thing. I've always kind of liked Kansas. I've never had anything against Kansas. Um, the only team that I've ever really followed in my life other than the Cajuns or LSU as a young kid is is North Carolina. Uh, I followed them in the 80s and in the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s a little bit. Um, so I don't – it's not a, like I have a biasness towards Candace, but I, I had a, there was a period there where I would pick Candace, got burned, pick Candace, got burned, and – Picked him, I don't know, three or four times to go to the Final Four or win it all. This was years ago, and it's like, they, they always let me. I'm like, I'm done picking Kansas. So I've, I've kind of, I'm in a mode right now that if I ever pick a bracket or just pick a Final Four, I, Kansas is eliminated for me. I just, so um, I, I don't know. I, I just think I, I actually would have picked Iowa, and they'd have gotten beat in the first round. So that would have been one bracket. That just because I didn't really like the one, two, three, or four seeds, didn't trust any of them. Uh, and obviously, the one that I would have trusted in would have been one in Iowa, not worth trusting as a five seed. My other three, I, I Purdue, Arizona. I, when I looked, I said Purdue, Arizona, Gonzaga. Really thought about Texas Tech, but wouldn't. I don't think I'd have pulled the trigger there. And uh, so it had been Purdue, Arizona, Gonzaga, and picking Arizona to win it. So, uh, but no, I, I did not. Uh, and then, of course, Raymond. Uh, Raymond told me yesterday, you're wrong, Richmond. Richmond's going to win, and he, and he was right about that. Um, St. Peter's beating Kentucky is funny to me. I've never pulled for Kentucky. Um, I, um, you know, never really rooted for Kentucky. And so when they lose, it's always a little bit, little, you know, get a good little chuckle out of it. And it just goes to, sh you know, I was not real high. I think the SEC had a really nice season in basketball this year. But in terms of picking them, I, you know, I don't, I don't think, I, I can't see Auburn being consistent enough the way they've been playing and the, the way that they play. Um, it's hard you need to hit shots, but it's hard to win the NCAA tournament and, and win four, five, or six games just shooting the ball well. And so I, I don't I don't see that happening. But 
for teams like Alabama and Auburn, but we'll see. But no, I, I don't. I didn't. I didn't have any of the. Um, Tennessee is one that you think about more than any of the other ones going to the Final Four, but I don't think I'd have pulled the trigger on Tennessee either. So we'll see how how it all pl- how, how it plays out. But no, any thoughts that you have, whether you want to celebrate or display some angst on the air because you picked Kentucky to go to the finals or whatever, certainly feel free to talk about the NCAA tournament as well. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. We, um, baseball is kind of, you know, there was a flurry of baseball activity, Major League Baseball, and there's still some big decisions to be made. But uh, that first wave is kind of over, and so, you know, still waiting for people like Carlos Correa and, and Trevor Story to see what they're going to do. You know, when you say, well, what is Deshaun Watson waiting on? Well, Deshaun Watson is not about to play a season. I mean, Major League Baseball is in spring training. You want to talk about what is he waiting on? What is Carlos Correa waiting on? Now, I know that Trevor Story's probably waiting on Carlos Correa. But if you want to say, well, what is that? What are they waiting on? It, you know, so many, you know, guys like the, 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 the guys in Major League Baseball who haven't signed yet, what are they waiting on? They're, we're in spring training. The lockout is over. Let's go. What are you waiting for? So that's more you, what you're waiting for to me. It was funny because I have some Saints fan friends who, you know, the beginning of this process, oh, man, we got to get him, got to get him, got to get Deshaun, got to get Deshaun, all in, got to happen, got to happen. And yesterday I get a text from one of them and says, can we just rescind the offer? I just can't take this anymore. I mean, I just can't take this anymore. I'm tired of waiting. It's not worth it. Let's move on. Um, I get the frustration. I was hoping it'd be done, too. I said it multiple times yesterday. I was hoping on today's show we didn't have to talk about, we can only talk about whether whether it, you know, licking your wounds that it, for those who wanted him if he went to Atlanta and discussing the, the all the good points about him choosing the Falcons or trying to f- assess, okay, did you give up too much if he picked New Orleans? That's what I was hoping to talk about on today's show and didn't happen, still in wait mode. I'm still good either way. As long as the third option doesn't enter the picture, I think the Saints are good. Think about, I mean, again, understand the big picture here. Devonta Adams is not with the Packers anymore. He's not with the Packers. Um, Their offense without Adams looks highly questionable. Again, it's not. I'm not saying it's going to be bad, but with him, they haven't gone to the Super Bowl. So, I guess it's possible without him they could, but it doesn't look as good. And so, now are they going to go out and? Get Robert Woods or some other, you know, some of the big guys have already signed. Robert Woods is available because the Rams signed Allen Robinson. Supposedly, they're going to try to, you know, they already have Cooper Cup, and supposedly they're going to try to re-sign OBJ whenever he's going to be healthy. I don't know what, you know, that's going to be probably the second half of the season next year. 
But is it possible they could draft one in the first round, which is what Aaron Rodgers has been wanting for, for a long time? Um, but look at the NFC. I understand that Brady came back and the Yucks signed everybody, but again, the Saints own the Yucks. I, I understand the Yucks are good and they're going to be in the in the mix, no question, but the Saints kind of own the Yucks. So I'm not, I don't overly fear a team that I've beaten four of the last five times, played them. And the one time they won, you gave them the game. I mean, they didn't even do that much. You just gave them the game with 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 turnovers. And so, um, it is. Um, and and so you look at the rest of the NFC picture, and yeah, the Packers are good, but without Adams, hmm. So this is a tremendous opportunity. Whether it's with Jameis, who hopefully is the number two option. We don't even know that for sure because, you know, you know, if I was the Colts, I'd be interested in Jameis too. Um, and so whether it's with Jameis or whether it's with Deshaun Watson, depending on what the trade is, again, if you give up too much, too many of the wrong people in the trade, you, you could actually hurt your team for this next year, maybe not long term. But for the 2022 season, you could definitely hurt your team. So, you know, this is an incredible opportunity, if it potentially, football-wise, an incredible opportunity. So we'll see. But again, because they've created all this space for a potential acquisition of Watson, if they don't, if he ends up going to the Falcons, I still think the Saints are in really good shape as long as they get Winston, and as long as they can pick up some valuable pieces. To to um, to bolster what you already have, and I I still think they would be Super Bowl contenders. So we will uh, see what plays out. Hoping to talk about that today, but man, if we come in Monday, Lord willing, and and we and this is still up in the air, then then I might gotta start to agree. Not really, because think about it. If it works out, let's say they get him. Let's say it comes to New Orleans, and let's say it works out kind of like Saints fans are hoping, and they go to another Super Bowl or they're, you know, back to being a top one or two seed on a pretty regular basis in the NFC. Um, that That's not worth a little bit of uncertainty for three or four days in March. I mean, come on now. The, the statement that, well, it's not worth it. Let's just go with let's just drop bow out, let him go to Atlanta and move on. Um, if it's gonna work out long term, a little bit of nervousness and uncertainty for a three or four or five or six or seven day period, yeah, uh, it's worth it. If it if it now again, there's no guarantee it's gonna work out. He they could trade for him and he could, you know, suffer some injury and you know, who there, there, there are no guarantees in any of this stuff. But if it works out like it should, like it looks like on paper that it would, then, uh, um, yeah, it's worth the wait. Ab- absolutely. So we'll see. Oh, man, this is something. It is, it, it, it's tough to go through the process, but if it does work out, it will be worth it. And hopefully by Monday we can get some closure to all of this. All right, we'll take a timeout. 
When we come back on the other side, we will shift gears, talk Cajun baseball going into the Sun Belt Conference opener in Troy, Alabama tonight. We'll speak with our good friend Craig Malonso, Cajun baseball. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you about the ultimate crawfish boil. Brought to you by JJ Exterminating Kramer Equipment and Cody's Crawfish. You can win two sacks of crawfish, a pot, a burner, ice chest, tumbler, chairs, $500 Visa gift card, and Astro tickets. Simply by, simply you can become eligible by simply joining the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you could win the ultimate crawfish boil. Again, brought to you by JJ Exterminating Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish, and the game. All right, let's go and talk Cajun baseball with our friend Craig Malonso. How are you, sir? It's Friday, so it's a wonderful day. Absolutely. Uh, were you able to make it to Lake Charles or, or on Wednesday or, or to see that slugfest or no, sir? No. Uh, had another event to go to that night, so I didn't even get to watch much of it. Uh, the good news is they continue to hit the ball. They really had a nice offensive weekend after mostly, um, you know, not doing a lot of offensive stuff the first 11 or 12 games of the season. Crushed the ball in, in, in stretches, including a 17-hit Sunday uh, series win victory over Houston, and then got 17 more hits. So uh, that's pretty encouraging. Yeah, they they've played well over the last uh, nine or so games. I think uh, you're, you're batting about 306 now over those nine games, and you're seeing that from individuals like Heath, Heath Hood, who as a JC All-American, this is what we expected out of him. So it's nice to see him finally hitting the ball. Love his glove in the outfield. You know, some people look at, um, you know, they hear you talk, you give reasons of maybe why a team is in a slump, and they look at it as an excuse. But it really, you know, they, they, were, they had a tough early season schedule, and they played in brutal weather conditions on on and not just in Round Rock. I mean, they played cold games at home as well, and so that's just doesn't it lend itself to hitting when you're facing really good competition and it's cold. So I think a lot of those. Re, it, it, what I'm saying is, it's very easy to explain why the offensive numbers were so bad over the first eight, ten games or so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the weather in Round Rock was ridiculously cold and. Uh... And like we talked about last week or the week before, everybody's bodies adjusted differently 
and I'm not saying because uh, Indiana was from up north that they're they were used to it because I'm sure they didn't practice outside much during that time period, but they probably had enough days that they could practice some outside and get a little bit more adapted to it, but it's hard to tell. Speaking of Indiana, the Cages will be opening up Sunbelt Conference play against the Troy Trojans tonight, and Troy played Indiana and swept them. Now, again, what that means, who knows? We all have seen compare scores can mean something, and sometimes it means nothing. But the point is, I think this Troy team's pretty good. They've got 11 wins. Uh, you know, they have a loss to Alabama. They have a loss to Auburn. They lost a couple games to Jacksonville. But they they play pretty good competition all year. They've got 11 wins, and they're going to be on the road. This is a tough opening, uh, Sunbelt Conference opening series is the point I'm getting to. Yeah, I think what you saw uh, in at, at Troy with Indiana, we saw what you know I, what I thought happened in in Round Rock was that Jack Perkins was their Friday night guy, which they decided not to pitch him on Friday in Round Rock, moved him to Saturday against the Cajuns. So, uh, but you know, all of those games were close, close games. Yes, and in two of the three games, India Indiana actually out hit Troy. So. Without having watched the, uh, the games, I don't know what happened there because there weren't a whole lot of errors in the game either. Uh, part of that is Troy's got a unique uh, ballpark where the, the the left center alley is pretty deep. So I think which bodes well for the Cajuns as we go into Troy this weekend. In terms of defensively, the Cajuns have good range and you know they can maybe take advantage of some speed there. Yeah, and well, you see a lot of the balls, especially if we can get C.J. Willis rolling right now. He hits a lot of balls to opposite field, and it's in that gap. Heath Hood, a lot of his balls have been on that back, back in that gap. Marshak possibly play this weekend. I don't see it. Maybe as a base runner, I don't see him swinging the back. That oblique is is a tough injury to swing a bat or to throw a bat uh, to throw a ball. So, but that 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 whole alley up there, I think is. That's where the Cajuns like to hit the ball. You brought up uh, Marshak, and in Monday's presser, weekly presser, Coach Dex did suggest that he thought it was possible for the weekend. May, you know, I mean, who knows? To, you know how, how injuries are going to play out, but that is definitely something to keep an eye on, and that could really add an even another spark to an offense that's starting to surge right now. Well, that gives you the opportunity to move Rockport back to uh, first base. And if you've got uh, Heath Hood, uh, Marshak, and, and Bayon in the outfield, uh, not only are, are they plus uh, defenders, but right now they're all sur- they would be surging at the bat. And hope it's, I think it's going to take a while for Marshak's back to get back to where it was, but hopefully not long. All right, we're speaking Cajun baseball with Craig Malonsaw. And the the other thing that we've been talking about since our very first conversation before the season opener was even played was how in the world the pitching rotation and the bullpen and all these roles between the pitchers are going to play out. Uh, Open conference tonight, and I still don't know that even the coaches have a very clear indication. Uh, He said on Monday that Tommy Ray was going to start tonight and that Jeff Wilson was going to start Sunday. And then, and I think the complication continues to be two of your 
on paper best late game relievers theoretically are Bo Bonds and Brandon Talley. Well, they're also two of your best options to be game two starters. So how do you see in all this playing out this weekend? Well, I like the fact that he named Tally the starter early on in the week and that he can, uh, Sally, Tally can get his mindset ready to be a starter for six or seven days there going into the weekend as opposed to now maybe in the past he's, he's talked, I'm sure he's talked to the pitchers and said, okay, you're going to be the Saturday guy. But this is the first time as far as at the Diamond Club or anything that they talked about, uh, who the starters were going to be for the weekend ahead of time, and I think that I think that's, that, that bodes well for Tally, and I think they'd like the fact that Bo Bonds is one of those guys uh, that can pitch multiple days if we get him in short spurts or even one or two innings. He can go multiple days on the weekend, and I think we need that out of some of our relief pitching. Well, you know, they're definitely going to need him – either him or Brandon, and, and if it's both, to pitch twice, I would think, on a weekend. And, uh, you know, Schultz, uh, I think they trust him late, but you got to have more than one guy after the sixth inning that you trust to get big outs. Yeah, and, and you know, you still have Trey LaFleur, which I don't think will be back for this weekend. Um, I, I don't know if, if Hayden Dirk's little setback in Magnese, if that's going to be – him from now on, or if that's going to be, you know, moving forward, what we saw uh, the last couple of his, of his outings. Same thing with Chipper Menard. I mean, he had a good outing against McNeese. Is, is that going to be the Chipper Menard that we see going forward? Uh, Dylan Toit got roughed up a little bit there in the McNeese game, but I, I think he's proven that he can come in from the left side and give you two or three innings, possibly. So you've got some, you've got some possibilities. It depends which which version of each player comes out. Absolutely, you know, I would be surprised if Dirk, you know, if they put Dirk in a really close game in conference play. I, that that would be surprising. Toyd, I think, has been up and down, like you said, but I I, I still see, I still could see them trusting him uh, in a, in a, in a in a tight in a competitive game, and um, you know, we'll we'll see who who else plays into that. I, you know, Chipper Menard is always. I, I, I'm I'm still torn. I'm kind of like you. I, I don't know what to think about him, and so, but I, I could maybe see him. But I would be surprised if if Dirk gets a chance. Now, if a game gets out of hand one way or the other, Dirk get in to try to get him going. Uh, I, I could see that. So, in your mind. Do they need to win two out of three this weekend for it to be a successful weekend, or is it just about continuing to see the good play that they've shown over the last five or six games? I think you have to win two out of three, and this is a team, although they have a good record, and I understand what you're saying about their competition. Uh, they, you know, they played, uh, I think, Columbia their, their first weekend and put up some gaudy numbers. So I'm still not convinced Troy is Troy yet. I guess is what I'm saying. Um, you have to win. Numbers are nice to continue to hit the ball better, but you got to win some games. And that's what the Cajuns did at McNeese. Is even though they put up some, some numbers, had some little pitching woes, they won the game, found a way to win the game. And that's what you have to do if you want to see a team that continues to move forward. One more thing. You know, at the beginning of the year, when you start looking at 
um, what it took for this team to be the kind of team that a lot of um, people thought it could be. I think one of the main things was was a catcher, Julian Brock, um, could be the catcher and make and turn that corner. And he has been to me fabulous. He got three hits in my knees. He's he's made a lot of hard outs. So I still think his offense is going to be better. And he's shown he can get it done throwing behind the plate and handling the staff. You know, we haven't talked a lot about Julian, but I think he's one of the bright spots of this season so far. Yeah, if, if you know Julian can, if he can just bat two fifty, which I think he's going to do better than that. I think he can get up close to three hundred. But we, what we don't talk about a lot is, like you said. He's been able to throw out nine base runners. Uh, I forgot. I'm, I, I haven't looked at what his average is, but at the same time, what we don't see, and we, it, it, and it's a good part of, if you're not talking about the catcher, then he's he's doing the right thing behind the plate. He's able to block that ball. He's able to catch something that that might have slid away to l- let runners advance. So if we're not talking about things like that about a catcher, that's a positive sign. The only thing I've seen that he's done wrong is that one time when he picked up a bunt that was going to go foul, but that you know that's just being overly aggressive, and um, we certainly won't hold that against him for very long. No, I, I'm 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 a big fan of Julian Brock, and I think he's been a huge part of what the Cajuns are doing so far. All right, so we'll see what happens if they can get it done on the road. Man, the excitement level is already trending upward. It'll really trend upward if they can win this weekend series. Most definitely. Thanks, Kevin. All right, thank you, Craig. Appreciate your time as always, sir. No, if they can win this weekend, you know things will really be looking up. And um, you like what you're seeing, de- seeing defensively, unlike the softball team because this team has a few more veterans on it. And you like where they're going offensively. Still got some questions in the in, in the pitching, but the the potential is there. It's, it's just how is it all going to mesh together? And uh, now that conference play has begun, we're about to find out. So that'll do it uh, for this segment. We'll take a time out, come back, finish out the first hour, give you an update on the leaderboard of the Chittimacha Louisiana Open out in Le Triumph. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to tell you again about our sponsors. Again, we've been out all week at the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open to Le Triumph. Tibbs Trailers. You thinking trailers, think Tibb Trailers. Whether you tug it, tow it, or transport it, Tibbs Trailers is your headquarters for enclosed flatbeds or hydraulic trailers, you won't find a better selection than Tibbs Trailers between Scott and Dusan. Rope Soap and Dope, Acadiana's workplace authority for over 20 years, offers supplies for all your industrial safety and janitorial needs. Online at ropesoapanddope.com or visit their showroom at, on Highway 90. Find out how they can help your business. The Cigar Merchant. You're always welcome to light up at the Cigar Merchant, KDNS premier cigar and pipe tobacco shop located in the Oil Center. And, of course, Golf Connection USA, golfconnectionlouisiana.com. Stealth, tailor-made stealth driver is in 
as well as a large variety of golf bags and shoes. Golf Connection USA, located 2009 West Pinhook in Lafayette. Want to give you an updated leaderboard before we get to the top of the hour. Ben Taylor is still leading. Again, he's an LSU golfer uh, from jolly old England. He is eight under, three under for the day through four. Theo Humphreys, another new name up there. He is currently tied at minus seven uh, for the tournament. He is four under on the day through six, starting on the front nine. Uh, one shot back at seven under. And Braden Thornberry, who started on ten, is one under uh, through three holes, and he is seven under. So we've got Taylor at eight under, and as of now, Humphrey and Thornberry at seven under. Again, well, we finish up. I'm assuming the first round is over by now, and we're totally into the second round. Um, so that it could change at the top because we've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six more um, tied at third at, at, at six under. So lots of movement we'll have on the leaderboard. That'll do it for the first hour, another hour to follow on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. As we uh, begin our final hour of footnotes out here at Le Triumph for the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open this week. It's been a an interesting week, lots of NFL stuff, lots of college sports going on obviously the golf um the leaderboard has not changed since, since we last since i last gave you an update in the last segment and we'll maybe at the bottom of the hour we'll, we'll keep you updated if anybody makes any runs but uh right now ben taylor is still the leader at eight under with uh humphrey and thornberry one shot behind him uh still very early in the second round and so lots will change um in golf, I we're not. I don't even know that we're far enough along in the second round to even be able to give a real good, educated um, opinion on where the cut will be. Uh, I would, you know, right now it looks like it'd be around one under. Uh, <coughs> but again, that could change. I, it seems like to me, and again, I'm no golf expert that today the scores may not be quite as good as yesterday because it's a it's a little windier out here. It's a little more overcast, although I can actually see a little bit of a blue sky. When we started the show at 9 o'clock, couldn't really see any blue. Everything was gray and different shades of gray. So we'll see how all of that plays out. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. If you would like to get in, still lots to talk about the NFL world, still trying to figure out what's going on with Deshaun Watson, still trying to figure out 
what in the world happened with the huge news yesterday that Adams was traded from the Packers to the Raiders. Think about the AFC West. Wow. You have the Chiefs, who we know are good. We have the Chargers, who really improved already on paper. They've got a really good young quarterback. They've strengthened their defense by picking up an elite cornerback in Jackson. <clears throat> you know, I, most people think the Chargers are going to be real good. Now, and they on paper they are, but they're still the Chargers. The Chargers always charger it up. I, I, don't, I don't know how they do it. Uh, for a team that's got such beautiful uniforms, you would think you wouldn't botch things so much. But, again, all they had to do last year is – let the clock run out and pit in the playoffs. I mean, that's all you had to do is manage the game. You didn't even have to execute. You just had to be en enough on top of things to let the clock run out, manage the clock, and you're in the playoffs. And they botched it. So, again, the Chargers look really good. I'm, like a lot of you, extremely impressed with their young quarterback. But, again, he, they didn't make the playoffs last year. So they just find a way to botch things. A lot of people are excited about the Broncos after getting Russell Wilson. And, you know, they, they, they acquired yesterday or was it the day before or whenever, sometime in the last two days, an elite run stopper in Jones. So the Broncos look really good on paper if they can stay healthy. You know, last year, yeah, everyone talked about the quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. But what they what too many of the QWs didn't point out is their defense was decimated with injuries last year. I mean they they're like almost every linebacker they had was injured. So I mean they they had a lot of injuries on, on defense last year. So <clears throat> the potential is there to be really good. No question about it. I love their young running back. You know, it's so funny for me because I've been telling y'all for two years how talented the Broncos are on offense. And the minute they require, everyone just downs the Broncos. And then the minute they trade for Russell Wilson, everyone starts talking about how talented of a team they have except for the quarterback position. Anyway, but um, no, uh, a lot of people have forgotten about Hamler. I, I really think he's a, a pretty good talent. They don't have fan, but they've got a lot of other things. And by the way, Humphrey just birdied again. He's five under on the day through seven. So he is now in a two-way tie with Taylor atop the Chittimacha, Louisiana Open leaderboard. But And then you've got the Raiders. Remember, the Raiders made the playoffs last year. Uh, Carr seems to be getting more confidence. He had a pretty good year last year. There's, I mean, you can't imagine that the Raiders would have any more obstacles to overcome than last year. Getting rid of their coach and then having this awful tragedy happen to a first-round receiver and, and, and he's not on the team anymore um, with, you know, that awful accident where, that he was responsible for. So... Um, I mean, they. everyone thought their season was over, and they made the playoffs. And not only did they make the playoffs, they played on the road against the team that won the Super Bowl, and they were inside the 10-yard line with a chance to win the game. I mean, you're not talking about 
a, uh, a huge stretch here. They were inside. They were one play from inside the 10-yard line away from winning the game. So they weren't that – on paper, they're not that far. Now, again, making the playoffs in the AFC next year, just making the playoffs, it's going to be difficult. And there's going to be teams like everybody's high on the Bengals. It's not going to be easy for the Bengals to make the playoffs next year. They're going to have a tough time, I think. Um, people forget about the Ravens. The only reason why the Ravens weren't in the playoffs last year is they were decimated by injuries. If they stay reasonably healthy, they're going to be good. And they're going to be a prime contender to make the playoffs. You know, the Steelers made the playoffs last year. They weren't even good at all. They were horrible. Big Ben was horrible. Um, we can laugh that they picked up Mitchell Trubisky, but I don't think there's any way Mitchell Trubisky is going to play next year worse than Big Ben played the last two years. Big Ben was terrible the last two years. So I think Trubisky, as as much as people laugh at him, he's going to be better than him. So, again, and then that's in the AFC West on paper has got four teams that are all very capable of making the playoffs on paper, you know, going into, you know, what are we in mid to late March here, mid-March, you know, as we speak. But, man, the AFC West is good, no question. Um, and then, you know, I think the the AFC North is going to have multiple good teams. And then, we'll, and then if the Colts can get a quarterback, I think the Colts are pretty good too. And they didn't make the playoffs. Um, and if they just get a stable quarterback, they're going to be – I mean, there's going to be 10 or 11 – legitimate playoff contenders, maybe even more going into the season next year uh, in the AFC. Better them than me. It's about time when you have a dominant conference that it's not the Saints. Um, So this is a great opportunity for the Saints to to be in the weaker conference um, depth-wise. And so that's why – they need to get all their ducks in a row. And, of course, right now they're waiting to see what Deshaun Watson's going to do. But, again, if you have any thoughts on the NFL, Major League Baseball, again, we have more to talk about, a little bit more to talk about earlier in the week. But some, some of the big, you know, the Freddie Freeman stuff got um, settled. <clears throat> Not to the liking of some, but, but did get settled. And, uh-oh, <clears throat> got Nick Underhill um, – Malcolm Jenkins' new contract is notable and interesting. It says he dropped his salary from $1.12 million and $1.165 million the next two seasons and got nothing in return. Drew Brees did something similar last offseason. So the Saints continue to uh, maneuver and restructure contracts. Um, seemingly to get in in a position to where if they do if Watson picks them they they can make it all work and acquire replacements for who they might be leaving but also if they if Watson doesn't pick the Saints well then it seems like they're going to have even more money to go out with all these this restructuring to go out fill in a few gaps and the team should be in great position. Um, you know, again, I, he, he, here's where you are to me. Here's where the Saints are to me right now. They are 
if they get Watson, then you're going to have a couple holes probably depending on who is else is involved in the trade that you're going to have to feel. If they don't, then you don't have to worry about you can you can console yourself as a Saints fan pretty easily, and I will too, as glass half full as I am. Um, console myself as a Saints fan. Well, that's one less suspension we have to worry about for next season. Uh, it, there's just more stability. There's more short-term stability in not getting Watson, and there's more long-term stability in getting Watson. So um, you just have to focus on the here and now. And, you know, lay, lay uh, focus on the short-term stability is what you needed is what we would need to do as Saints fans if that happens. But um, we'll we'll see how that how, how that plays out. Again, the game hotline seven zero six zero one one one. But uh, Major League Baseball, we're waiting for Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa, maybe not quite a bit as big of a domino to fall as it as the Deshaun Watson trade, but still a domino there because Trevor Story and other people, I think, are waiting to see what Correa is going to do, and then we'll see how all that plays out. And certainly, it's a domino for for the Astros. You know, they picked up Nico Goodrum. Uh, who's a versatile guy, can play infield, can play outfield, and the Astros always seem to have those kind of guys. But if if they don't get Correa, will 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 they be okay with some combination of Goodrum and Diaz playing shortstop until Pena's ready, or are they going to go out and get more of a stopgap? Or was Goodrum that actual stopgap if they don't end up with Correa? You know, we'll we'll wait and see there. That that I, I don't know. I don't I don't have an idea on that but um i you know if you if they get correa still it still sounds like a one-year deal for me but again i'll worry about that a year from now if they can get another year of carlos correa i'll take it again great leader not a great bat but a good bat and great defensive and, and an incredible right arm so look I, I mean i hope that happens but hasn't happened yet man this could be you know if i wasn't as calm and patient and rational as i am this would be a pins and needles weekend man between deshaun watson and still don't know what's going on with carlos correa unbelievable maybe it is so maybe it is good that i'm so busy at work uh, sometimes you're like, man, can can with this calm down or can this calm down? But um, so many sports still colliding right now. But I, it's probably a good thing having spring football and baseball and softball and golf and all that other st- you know stuff going on. Um, or I might be driving myself crazy right now. But trying to remain as calm and rational as I possibly can. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. I'll give you, see if there's an update on the Louisiana Open leaderboard. Take more of your phone calls next. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 18th, 1995. Michael Jordan announces he's leaving his baseball career and ending his 17-month NBA retirement. Jordan returns to the Chicago Bulls and helps lead the franchise to a second three-peat. 
That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Footnotes on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The game hotline, 706 706-0111. Want to remind you about the Hangout Music Festival. It's returning May the 20th through 22nd at Gulf Shores, Alabama. If you would like to win, VIP passes. It's real easy to put yourself in position to possibly win that by simply going to the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You might win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival March 20th through, I'm sorry, May 20th through 22nd. Not next week. May 20th through 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama, thanks to the game Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, so... Raymond yesterday picked Richmond. He got that right. Hannah's telling me that her big prediction for today is she has Delaware beating Villanova. Wow. Um, That would be a blockbuster. I mean, has there ever been, again, many of you might know it, has there ever been two blockbuster? There's been multiple upsets before. But when I'm talking blockbuster, I'm talking one or two seeds going down. Has there ever been a year where two number one or number two seeds went down in the in the first round, not you know in the second round in the first round? That would be that would be that might be historic if if Hannah gets that right. That that that's a pretty gutsy pick, uh, picking the hens there. So we'll see how how that plays out. But you know uh, you know a lot of people are high on Virginia Tech. I can buy that. That's a six eleven. Counts as an upset, but I don't know how big. I would think a lot of people nationally are, are picking Vir, 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 Virginia Tech. So uh, that would be a, um, even though number-wise there's a five difference there, I don't consider that. I wouldn't consider that a huge lot. I think a, I think quite a few people are, are thinking maybe Davidson over Michigan State because Michigan State hasn't been all that impressive and consistent like they sometimes are. But again, seven ten. I don't consider that a real big upset. So we'll just we'll just keep an eye on that. If you have a huge upset prediction, please let us know. Or if you want to brag about, if you pick St. Peter's, especially, certainly feel free to call and and we'll give you the floor so you can brag and tell us how how in the world you 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 pulled that off. So certainly, um, any NCAA tournament talk that you would like to give. Uh, feel free to do so. Want to continue to uh, to tell to thank our sponsors: Tips Trailers, Rope Soap and Dope, the Cigar Merchant, and Golf Connection USA. Want to make sure uh, we give them thanks once a couple final times before we end this week's um, programming of footnotes out here at La Triumph for the Chittimacha Louisiana Open. Speaking of the golf part of the Louisiana Open. 
Um, Brayton Thornberry continues to be the leader at seven under. Humphrey is, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight-way tie for second place. And two of the new names that are in that eight-way tie for second place are Alexander and Hogue. So you've got, and Sue as well. So we talked about Nunez earlier. Uh, Uline we talked about yesterday and Tootin and Hubbard. They're all six under and they haven't played yet. They don't tee off till in round two till about 120. Uh, Uline 120, Tootin at 140, and Hubbard not till 220. So they're, they're playing in the afternoon because they teed off in the morning yesterday. So, you know, again, I, I think it's starting to stabilize a little bit because uh, some of these guys are, you know, Taylor was just on fire, but uh, he's had a couple after a lot of, you know, he's now one under on the day through six, and he started out, what, I think he birdied three of the first four holes today, but he's had a couple bogeys and kind of calmed down a little bit. So, uh, again, seven under after six under ended the first round as the leader, as the lead uh, seven under uh, with Thornberry. And we got we got a chance to talk to him. He's from Ole Miss, and. He wasn't the only one that we've talked to since Wednesday that talked about how much they like, you know, they've been playing in Central America and all the con- and South America and the, all the conditions there are very different. Were very different from each other and quite different from here, and you know a lot of these golfers, not all of them, but a lot of them grew up in like in Memphis or Georgia or Mississippi or whatever. Uh, in the South, and so um, they are. They like what they call the Bermuda, you know, talk the Bermuda grass and and the conditions here. It's more like they grew up playing, and so um, theoretically that might help their punting, their putting a little bit. And um, overall, and Thornberry was one of those who said he felt felt quite at home here at La Triumph, and so so far he's playing like it. He's the only guy. Well, Nunez is too, so he's not the only of 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 the top, you know, ten or twelve guys on the leaderboard right now. Um, of the top ten guys on the leaderboard, only two of them are playing on the back. The other ones all started on the front. Nunez, who is even through two holes, um, after being minus six, and and Thornberry, who's minus one on the day through four, starting. On the back, so we'll give you at least one more leaderboard update before um, we give it over to, to Jim Rome at at eleven o'clock as we continue to cover the Chittimacha Louisiana Open like we have all week long out here at La Triumph. Again, the um, game hotline is seven zero six zero one 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 seven zero six zero one one one. We um I've gotten some more texts my wife was laughing at me michelle was laughing at me last night she she really hopes you know because she she and my daughters they like to to tease and laugh at me so you know i i i asked them why they they just you know they just don't have more uh, they're just not quite as nice as they they can be about these kinds of things but she is really hoping like a lot of you apparently are apparently manny wants it too manny brought it up getting some some teasing on on twitter here on in text and uh people texting me that 
how funny it would be if Baker Mayfield ends up as a member of the New Orleans Saints. And, and I'm like, I, I don't think that's that funny. Like, that is sad. You don't want that. And uh, so hopefully that, that does, not, does not happen. And I really don't think it's going to happen. But is he going to be playing for the Cleveland Browns? I mean, Cleveland sure hopes so. How, you know, it's very interesting. In the NBA, the players rule the roost. Not so much in the other sports, but, you know, the Packers just gave in to Adams. They, you know, the Packers are probably, I wonder if the Packers are like, look, we've been dealing with this soap opera stuff for over a year now with this clown show Aaron Rodgers. So do we really want to deal with Adams and and go through another soap opera where we franchise tag him even though he told us he doesn't want to and and is he going to show up and all of that and um, maybe they're just maybe they're just OD'd on clown showness you know it's just like enough of this soap opera stuff let's just play football and I'm wondering if they just if they hadn't gone through over a year of soap opera with Aaron Rodgers, if they'd have played a little more hardball on Adams, because look, there are there are a lot. I'm sure there are plenty of GMs all around the league that are like, man, I wouldn't have let that guy go. I'd have just made him play. I mean, what's he gonna do? I know he's gonna probably hold out and not show up to camp and pout and be angry and say a bunch of mean stuff. But is he really gonna pass up all those millions and not play at all? Is he really gonna do that? Um, I, I, you know, teams have played hardball before and I wonder if they just didn't have enough patience or they just have OD'd on the soap opera stuff, OD'd on all the distractions that Aaron Rodgers has given them for over a year, uh, that they just didn't want to go through and they were just willing to move on, (sighs) man, move on from arguably the best receiver in football. I mean, again, you know what I think about rankings, but however you rank him, one, two, three, four, five, he's, he's one of the best receivers in football. Um, um, and so, wow. And, and you got to wonder, what is the offense going to look like without him? How efficient is, and because that's the thing about Rodgers that has made him so good, is how efficient he's been. And I think Adams is a humongous part of that. And so how efficient are they going to be? I mean, the the NFC is just so wide open right now. I mean, again, I'm telling you all, the Rams are are not going to win the Super Bowl next year. That's not happening again. And so, you know, if the cheaters go with Trey Lance, I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I don't think Arizona's going to the Super Bowl. So a year ago at this time, we were talking about how tough the AFC West is, and it's still a good division. Don't get me wrong, but it, it I don't, I don't, I think the West is, unless the cheaters, you know, really improve their quarterback situation. I just cannot believe Trey. I think they're really good. I think on the line of scrimmage, they're as good as anybody in football. But 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 I don't think they. Um, I I just don't 
really think Trey Lance is going to take him to the Super Bowl. I just I don't buy that in his first real year of playing. And so I I don't really look at anybody unless rosters change really dramatically between now, which could happen. I mean, you know, who knows? They could. Some people believe Tom Brady's going to be the Cheaters quarterback. So, you know, I, I don't really believe that, but some people do. So we'll kind of wait and see there. And then is anybody in the NFC ESPN division going to the Super Bowl? I mean, I guess the Cowboys fans always think they're going to the Super Bowl, but are they really going to the Super Bowl? Uh, I think the Eagles could be good this year, could be better next year, but I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl. I don't think Ray's commanders are going to the Super Bowl. And I don't think the midgets are going to the Super Bowl. So maybe the Cowboys, but for the most part, I kind of block those out too. Okay, the NFC North. You think the Vikings are going to the Super Bowl? I don't think so. I don't think the Lions are going to the Super Bowl. I think the Bears could be better next year, but I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl. I guess you got to consider the Packers an option, but are the Packers going to be as good as they were last year? I don't think so. Are they going to be as good as they were two years ago? I don't think so. I think they're still going to be good and probably win that division. So in my mind, when you again, we're talking, what is this, March the 18th, what it looks like. If the Saints get Deshaun Watson, I mean, to me, they're, and even if they, as long as they get Deshaun Watson or, or Jameis Winston, I know not, you're not going to hear this from any of the national media because they don't understand about anything. They don't know anything about the NFC South other than Tom Brady plays in it. That's all they know. Um, I think the Saints be, are a contender again. Uh, I think they were last year, and no one called them that until all the injuries happened and just decimated with injuries. But. Um, I mean, I really love where the Saints are as long as they end up as long as they don't end up with option number three or, you know, I think if the Saints do get Deshaun Watson, they're not necessarily contenders next year. I think this next year is not going to be I think if the Saints get Watson, it's more again, like I've been saying all week, that's a long term thing. I think short-term, next year they're better if they don't get Watson because he's going to get suspended six or eight games. And then who knows what 41's going to do. So, and he could get suspended six or eight games. So, I don't think getting Watson, I think the Saints will be better next year if they don't get Watson. But I think long-term they'll be better if they do get Watson. So, it just it's kind of how you look at things. But in terms of next year, especially if Watson goes to the Falcons, I think the Saints are going to be a contender. And uh, and they might still be one if they do get him, depending on what they have to give up and how long his suspension is. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Give you another update from the Louisiana Open. Um, and continue to talk about. Uh, we've already talked Cajun baseball, baseball, softball, whatever else you would like to as we finish out this week out at Le Triumph. We'll do that next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Oh! Because it's in the best interest for his health. 
not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. back to footnotes kevin foot on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station again we want to tell you one more time about our sponsors that allow us to be out here all week at le triumph for the chittimacha louisiana open tibbs trailers you thinking trailers think tibbs trailers whether you tug it, tow it, or transport it, Tibbs Trailers is your headquarters for enclosed flatbeds or hydraulic trailers. You won't find a better selection than Tibbs Trailers located between Scott and Dusan. Also, Rope Soap and Dope, Acadiana's workplace authority for over 20 years, offers supplies for all your industrial safety and janitorial needs. Online, you can find them at ropesopendope.com or visit their showroom on Highway 90 to find out how they can help your business. The Cigar Merchant. You're always welcome to light up at the Cigar Merchant, Acadiana's premier cigar and pipe tobacco shop located in the Oil Center. And Golf Connection USA, golfconnectionlouisiana.com. Tailor-made stealth driver is in as well as a large variety of golf bags and shoes. Golf Connection USA located at 2009 West Pinhook Road in Lafayette. All right, an update from the Louisiana Open leaderboard. Ben Taylor is back as the sole leader at 7-under. Again, it's going back and forth. Um, he is two under through eight, and he still clings to a one-shot lead over a host of golfers who are in um in a in a in a what ten-way tie for second place at six under. So, a lot can still happen on the leaderboard for sure. The game hotline 706-0111 if you would like to get in 706-0111. Uh, talk about NCAA tournament, the Saints situation, Major League Baseball. We talk, we look forward to seeing what's going to happen. Uh, LSU opens SEC play, the Cajuns open Sunbelt play. You know, I haven't I haven't seen LSU play baseball yet this year, but I've listened. I've heard it on you know, on the stations, on the radio. Some followed them. Um, you know they've had defensive woes, very much like the softball Cajun softball team has had, and so we'll see how that plays out long term in the SEC. It looks like they're going to really be able to score runs, but pitching and defense is the biggest question mark. It seems right now for LSU baseball and 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 you got to wonder i mean going into SEC to an SEC season <coughs> would you rather your question be hitting or would you rather your question be pitching in defense 
man, I, 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 I think it's a little easier to have not to kind of be where the Cajun baseball team is, where the pitching and defense has kind of been there for most part, but the hitting started out really slow, and then you heat up as it gets warmer. But, I mean, you can improve pitching-wise and hitting-wise, but when you go from an easier schedule to a more difficult schedule, it seems like it's it's more likely that your pitching and defense won't get better. Just seems that way. Now, again, there, there, there are reasons why. Sometimes you make position changes, and that can improve your defense, so that's certainly possible. But LSU seems like they had a similar problem that, you know, like we were – and I don't – it doesn't look like or sound like this Jorge Soler to the Astros thing is going to happen like we were talking about at the beginning of the week. But, you know, there's going to be more, um, you know, major league teams probably in that situation because the DH is now in the National League as well. It's like, okay, we've got too many DHs here, guys. Somebody's got to play the field. You can't play two DHs in in the lineup any given day. It sounds like LSU has one of those situations where they actually have too many DHs and not enough guys to play up that, that are capable of playing above average defense, and so they've got to obviously figure that out. But because that's part of the issue, obviously a lineup change, you could play more of a defensive lineup if it's you know, especially if you at the point where I feel like I got an ace pitcher going, and we need to play a little more defense because we might only need four or five runs to win this game today. So that 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 could play that could make up for some of that as well. So again, whether it's UL baseball or softball or LSU baseball or softball, still a lot to be told as baseball begins. SEC and Sun Belt play this weekend to see how it's going to go. But I but I, I, really like where Cajun baseball is right now. We talked to Craig Melanson last hour because the offense is starting to come around and the defense and pitching is, you know, there's been some lapses, don't get me wrong. Uh, the only question, but it's been there pretty consistently, it, it, you know, with a few lapses here and there. The hitting was really poor early on, and it's really hot right now, so we'll see how that stabilizes. The only thing about pitching is, again, I'm kind of a bull, I'm a big bullpen guy. I really believe in having good, deep bullpen, and I think the Cajun bullpen options are not quite what as as they're not quite in as good a shape there as I think they thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. So we'll see and. According to Craig, it's going to be um, tally in game two. So you're looking at Ray tonight. And, again, Ray's had a couple really good performance, but his last performance wasn't all that good. He's had a couple more than we – I think he's had two kind of subpar performances. So let's say the worst-case scenario, especially on the road, is that you get Ray only last three or four innings tonight and you go into your bullpen and then you've got Tally, who's a guy that can give you three or four innings you know, out of the pen like he did in game one against Houston, that suspended game last weekend. You know, uh, and Coach Deggs even made that point in Monday's press conference that without him going those four innings, they might not have won that game. So 
it's it's going to be very important for the way this is starting to look shape up. It's going to be very important that Ray, I think, go at least five innings. You don't want him to go two, three, four innings because then you're getting into your bullpen and um, and in tarling, starting tally on Saturday may not work out as well as you, you would hope that it would if you get into your bullpen too early on and somebody else is going to have to step up and it might put too much uh, on, on bonds and other relief pitchers. So always important to get a lot from your Friday night starter, but I think it's really going to be important right now. We'll see how Ray um, does there. And he certainly had enough good outings this year to make you think that's a very it's very possible that he'll he'll do very well. All right. We'll take a timeout, come back with our final segment of the week of footnotes next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Benedict Arnold's. Benedict Arnold's. Now, an NFL expansion team that stole a bunch of Saints players and coaches when first created, also known as the Carolina Panthers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Well, that's one thing that I don't have to worry about. Uh, speaking of the Arnolds, um, I've been worried since last year, since before last season, last offseason, that Deshaun Watson was going to end up in Arnoldville. At least that's not going to happen. Of course, he might end up in the Falcons, which is just as bad. You know, I want him either in New Orleans or not in the NFC South, and it looks like every indication is he's going to be in the NFC South one of those uh, two ways. Um, by the way, we uh, we talked about this a few times earlier this week, but now apparently Paul's Yankees, Larry's Yankees, have entered the picture on this um, – on the Oakland, um, let's um, you know implode and rip apart our franchise effort. I don't really get. About a week or so ago, the talk was that Sean Manaya and Frankie Montas might go to the White Sox, and now the Yankees apparently are in that race to try to get them. But why are they a package deal? Like I don't get this. You got two pretty talented young left-handers. They're just giving them away. And why does it seem like Montas and Manaya are, are like, I know their last names both start with M. They're both left-handed. They're both from, I don't know if they're from the same country, but from some Latin American country. And they're both, um, you know, played for the Oakland A's. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities there, but why they got to be a package deal? I don't quite get that. But, um, but no, I mean, that would be huge, huge get. Uh, for the Yankees or the White Sox or any team, if they could really get both of them, you just don't see that very often. Like these two teammates, they're these these package deals um, in free agency. But um, 
one thing I know is um, for the Astros, uh, the A's, you know, they're getting rid of all their good players. They, I mean, they, they were really good the last three or four years. Now, I think the Astros broke their spirit more than once, which is fun to do. But, it, you know, they were still really good. And, and now they don't have Olsen, and they, and they basically gave Chapman away. Uh, he had a bad year offensively last year, but he's still an elite defensive third baseman. Olsen's elite power guy and an elite first baseman uh, defensively as well. So they got rid of them, and then now and they already got rid of Bassett, who was very talented as a pitcher, and they're and they're shopping uh, Montas and uh, and Manaya. So man, if you think it would be, you know, you think your team is disappointing, depending on who that is, man, it's got to be. I don't know how many Oakland A fans they have, but it's got to be, um, um, you know, pretty depressing. There, there is one local Oakland A fan though that is not depressing for um, Robert Harris. Son Hogan is in the A's organization. So if you are a minor league, really talented pitcher like Hogan Harris, former St. Thomas More, former UL pitcher. Um, and the parent club is getting rid of all their good pitchers, that suddenly gives you a great opportunity to move up. And so that's, you know, from a from a Hogan-Harris standpoint, um, the fact that the A's are doing this fire sale and getting rid of all their good, still relatively young. I mean, none of those guys are old. They're just, you know, veterans. They've been around for two or three, four years, depending on which one you're talking about. But, I mean, again, you, you deplete your, your starting rotation, then a guy like Hogan, who's spent a lot of time training and getting healthy, and but all signs point towards um, him being a really good prospect, great for him, uh, no question. But if you're an Oakland A Major League fan and you want to continue to compete for an American League West Division title. Huh? I don't know how all these moves are not going to help that f- at all, for sure. But uh could be a great opportunity for Hogan. And if he makes it to the A's, you know, they play a lot of games in Houston. So a lot of his family and friends will get a, you know, three-and-a-half-hour drive down I-10 to, um, to see him play. So that part can work out great. All right. So we are about done for the week uh, out here at La Triumph, and we once again have um, – it's very tight on top of the leaderboard again. And so come Monday, weather responding, as we hope that it will, we'll be able to continue to follow that during the weekend and see who the winner is, and hopefully we'll know what's going on. What in the world is going to go on with Correa and Watson, and we can stop speculating and start analyzing. Let's hope that's the case at least. All right. Y'all have a nice and safe weekend.